Hello. You've reached Hoop and Holler, a Square One podcast on basketball and other shenanigans. Danny Green, I'm mad at Danny Green. I just want to thank everybody that's been in my corner during this time. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, man. I'm the clamp guy. I am the Giannis Antetokounmpo Whoa. of Lion Center. Eddie Sun. Probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. Because <laughs> we don't got that clutch connection. And Julio Martinez. On uh, Giannis and the Bucks, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Please clap. It comes from at underscore underscore uh, KLU2 on Twitter. Bro, the fact that you knew there were two underscores before the to at underscore underscore KLU. He knows your that, Twitter. That means I'm tweeting it too much. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball. Welcome back to another episode of Hoop and Holler. I think we should call this one the reality TV show episode because we're going to be going through a lot of drama that's going around the NBA, which is kind of hard to come by nowadays. With the regular season, people really don't seem to have a whole lot of energy for it this year, so the drama is not really going on on the court. There's a little bit of drama going on off the court. But before we get into all of that, even before we get into some of this buyout stuff, I want to ask y'all the age-old question that we have here at Hoop and Holler. How are we doing today? You know, doing good. Um, <laughs> it's funny. That German debut, that got you feeling good? It, no, I'm not even thinking about that. <laughs> it, it's funny because, um, you know, right now all I can think of was it was Reagan on Instagram Live with someone who was at the USC game, and I was, <laughs> I was just trolling them. <laughs> you were trolling, bro. Oh, wow, look at this upstanding young man, bro. <laughs> And then Igor came on too. He was like, "Bro, I want to." And Sam came on. Y'all, like, I, I had to contain myself because y'all were literally going through, going to ham in the comments, bro. Like, why? I was like, I was like, this basketball analysis is a one by Reagan. You, you guys should really tune into his hoop and holler podcast. <laughs> I couldn't even tell if he was being sarcastic. I was really trying too, and, and lo and behold, I was so wrong because I'm sitting up here on the. Uh, on the feed talking about yeah drew tim's not going to be able to hang the hang with the length of evan mobley and isaiah mobley he's not going to be able to get nothing off today i'd be surprised if he goes for over 15 points lo and behold fucking he's just busting our ass start to finish like yeah i was so wrong but hey that's what we analysts do right we just sit up here and talk and then we're wrong half the time so that's the fun of it i guess what about you eddie we, we don't have to remember the things we got wrong, but we can always hold on to the things we get right, you know. Um, hey, if we don't, Julio will. <laughs> That's for the answer. Julio will freaking bring that shit up 10 years later. But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm doing great. It's nine, 90 degrees out here in L.A., um, but, you know, I haven't been able to step outside because got to finish up on schoolwork. But nevertheless, feeling in a good mood, getting all my work done, getting it all out of the way. Sometimes I remember, man, we're students, aren't we? <laughs> like, we go to school. Um, man, I get my uh, second flu shot tomorrow, too. Me and you both do, Eddie, right? Not, not the COVID-19 flu shot. COVID-19 shot, yeah, not the flu shot. Second COVID shot, so we about to be fully vaccinated pretty soon, man. That's pretty dope. Get to be out and about in the world again. Hopefully things will return to normalcy, but all of that aside, let's go ahead and get into some NBA talk, starting with these buyouts. There's been a lot of buzz around, man, the Nets. They're building the greatest team ever assembled. Oh, the Lakers got all of this, plus Andre Drummond. Like, how are y'all feeling about the buyouts? Does it matter? Does it make teams overpowered? Is it unfair to small market teams? I'm going to just leave it open-ended. How do y'all feel? So I, I think I'm in the same boat as Eddie. Um, maybe a little bit different because I don't want to speak for him. But uh, first, on, on the Nets side, I hate these graphics that have Kyrie, KD, uh, James Harden, 
and then LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin. That is so disrespectful and just that screams, screams something that, you know, Reagan brings up a lot or the the term he uses, casual. Casual NBA effing fans. You don't watch – and, you know, we can't even catch every single damn game. We don't watch, you know, Piston games. We don't watch, you know, all these Spurs games. But you don't need to, you know, you just have to know – uh, uh, basketball per se and by not having whether it's Nick Claxton or you know especially Joe Harris is the one that Bruce Brown that or Jeez. Bruce Bra- Brown that gets you know very very disrespected um, Joe Harris especially that that's just like come on man what are we doing we know that it's not you know the finishing five is obviously going to have the three but what people don't know or, or fail to acknowledge I feel like is that it Really has to have the four, that, and that's Joe Harris included. Now, if you want to go big, maybe you play a Blake Griffin. If you want to go small, you're definitely going to go Bruce Brown or, you know, the, the lineups that they were running at the beginning of the season with Jeff Green. But, you know, stop with all these uh, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin, you know, are still all-star. That, that's, that's capped. That's not true. That's, that's just so wrong. And then on the Andre Drummond thing, I've I've said it before and I and I'll say it again. Andre Drummond is not a player that I've ever liked. Again, this goes to NBA casual fans. What does that mean? So, Andre Drummond obviously has played for two different teams before the Lakers that don't play on national TV. So people don't watch him play. People aren't going to go out of their way to watch Pistons or Cavs games. What does that mean? So when he averages or gets a 30 and 20 game, people are like, damn, this dude can really play like Shaq. That's He's got to be cold, bro. That, that's, what happen- be cold. that's what happens when you only look at stats. I've seen and they see the highlights too, right? The dude can jump out of the gym. Even there when you goes. look at even even when you look at highlights, bro. Bro is not Let me put it this way. Bro gets all his all his stat lines by being the size that he is and by being able to move the way he does. He's big, like like just big. He's a big 6'10". So he gets a lot of rebounds. He gets a lot of putbacks. He gets a lot of dunks. He creates a lot of second possessions. That's great. But then when you hear that the Cavs use him about 32 percentage usage rate, you go, ah. That was egregious. And then I when you, I said that it, on an earlier episode. And then, taken and, away from Darius Garland. Yeah, yeah. And then when you hear that he scores 0.8 points per post-up, you got to think about that. A post-up is two points, right? If you, A yeah. big man better score at, at the very, very least 50%. 50% is obviously one point. If you're scoring less than that, I don't want you on my team or, or just posting up, bro. I, I just I, – I don't want that on my team because this dude gets it. And then it's not like he's developed early in his career like Dwight Howard when he was on the Orlando Magic. He had to learn that when, you know, when he got doubled, oh, I got to kick it to Jameer Nelson, Rashard Lewis, Michael Peters, Matt Barnes, uh, Hidu Turkaloo. Michael you Peters. Know. Wow, mm. that, that, I'm, I'm just saying all God, that before JJ Reddick, bro. Like <laughs> JJ, I forgot. I forgot about JJ. I just I, I forgot about JJ. But you, you know what I'm saying? He he never had guys like that or, or a system built around. It. Like bro, really thinks that he's a bigger LeBron. Like that. That's really what he envisions himself as. He can't pass the ball. He can't really finish if it's not a dunk. And he tries to post up, and, and he thinks he has a jump hook, and he's just silly. 
He's silly when he gets the ball and, and is so frustrating. I didn't want him on my team. Do I see the benefit in adding him once LeBron comes back to calm his ass down? Yes, because he's another big body. We're going to need you know depth at that position. But I really have never liked him as a player. So that was my uh, little uh, uh, rant on those two players, especially Andre Drummond. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll just leave it at hey, that. I see you sprinkling in the analytics, man. You heard that, Eddie? Julio Martinez points analytics per possession. God over here. PPP. Right, points freaking per points per post up, 0.8. He's all, he's, that man's going through cleaning the glass, bro. All right, Eddie, what do you think, though? What do you think? So I don't want to take away credit from Andre Drummond because he probably is the best rebounder in the NBA, however much uh, value that has in this you know 2020 game anymore, 2021 NBA. But the truth is he's played on a lot of teams that had a lot of people who couldn't make baskets. And what happens when you can't make baskets, you get a lot of rebound opportunities. You know, and, and I think I came across the stat line where Andre Drummond went for like four layups and he missed um, three of them and he got the offensive rebound for each layup. So like, you know, like that, that's how you get easy double doubles, you know, just, just miss shots and get your own rebound. But I mean, in all honesty, for the entire buyout market, I think there's maybe one or two signings that could impact, um, you know, the, the landscape down the road. And one of them is, I mean, we don't even have to talk about it. I think the Gorgie Jang buy, buyout was very good pickup by the Spurs, but you know, it's Gorgie Jang. It's not an all-star. It's not this flashy name. So no one even cares. It's just, I just think it's ironic that this, you know, very low profile guy could be the highest impact buyout market guy. But the second one I want to talk about is Jeff Teague. Um, he's reportedly going to Milwaukee and he's reuniting with Coach Bud. Um, he played in Atlanta with him, I believe. And that might be interesting because they haven't had a backup point guard that's played well all year. DJ Augustine really did not work. And, you know, if you can get Jeff Teague integrated into that uh, Milwaukee system and let him play a little bit backup PG minutes, um, I think that can be really useful. But otherwise, you know, like miss me with the LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond stuff like like Julio mentioned. I don't have to go over it again. It's just, um, you know, it's good ESPN headline fodder, but it's not it's not moving the needle in terms of NBA gameplay. Now, I'll say this. I find myself somewhere in the middle of these two factions where on the one side you have people who are like, oh, my God, they just have, you know, you know, people really they you know what the thing. And this is probably what pisses you off, Julio. People really love to, like, tally up the amount of all star games, especially with the Nets that people have played in and be like, yo, there's fucking 40 all star games between these five players. And then on the other side, you have people who are like. This doesn't mean literally anything. LaMarcus Aldridge can't do shit anymore. Blake Griffin can't do shit anymore. This is this is irrelevant. I find myself in the middle because these guys aren't high impact all-star caliber players anymore, but they're still good. They're still they can offer something. If if you you know, you're limiting Blake Griffin to what 20 minutes a game, LaMarcus Aldridge 20 minutes a game. He can give you something out there. Andre Jumpin, he can give you something so long as you're able to limit him. It was actually in right. It's funny right now cuz it's the regular season and our best player is arguably Dennis Schroeder. So watching Andre Drummond's first minutes with the Lakers, that was hilarious for me. <laughs> it was like literally watching a carbon copy of what he was doing in Cleveland, but in purple and gold, which was like, okay, here he goes on the post up. How much do you want to bet he's about to turn the ball over? Up, oh, there goes the turnover. Up, oh, he's trying to run back. Up, oh, great rebound. Up, oh, pass out of it, pass out of it. Here comes the double. Nope, there's another turnover, Andre Drummond. But hopefully, like you said, Julio, those things kind of get reined in a little bit once LeBron comes 
comes back. I can't imagine anyone, no matter how lacking in self-awareness you are, there's no way that you're that lacking in awareness to where you're not deferring to LeBron James and Anthony Davis. If that's the case, then you really need to like take a look at the mirror. But I think that there's potential for impact in all of these moves. It's not as overstated as a lot of people are going to make it seem. Folks are acting like this is the greatest team ever assembled. I don't think it makes, you know, if the if the Nets were the greatest team ever assembled, they were that prior to LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin getting there. They were that because of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden, and Joe Harris and Bruce Brown and all of those dudes, right? Not because LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin came into town, but those dudes do still offer you something in their limited role, I think. Although LaMarcus Aldridge, as Nikias on Twitter put it, <laughs> so eloquently, you're not you're not offering nothing in switches, dog. Uh, that's just not that's just gonna happen in any any time. I can't believe you he even that, said that. Yeah, I can't believe. yeah. Well, and, and the thing about um, Andre Drummond specifically is that do I think that he can really be beneficial to a team? Hell yeah! If you stay in your role. Is, mm-hmm. And do what you do best, especially if you're playing with LeBron. You, you uh, Andre Drummond should imagine himself as at this point of, in his career, a better Dwight Howard R- right now, where Dwight Howard is now, a guy who can rim run. You know, he's he's not as slow as Marcus Saul. A guy who can jump pretty high. A guy who can maybe not block shots as well, but he's a big body in the paint. Can bother dudes like Jokic in the paint, right? Or uh, 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 what's another thing that he could do? But my, my point is, is that you're, you don't need to be dribbling. You don't need to be posting up. You don't need to be shooting. As long as you play your role, you're definitely going to be an addition to our team. And, you know, on the LaMarcus Aldridge thing, too, um, and Blake Griffin especially, you know, these guys are going to get more open looks than they than they've ever seen in their in their career and you know they don't need to be the one two three hell even four fifth best dude they can be the sixth best player and and, you know play their role and, and succeed at it so as long as these players do that they'll be very very successful in my opinion Agreed. And I do want to bring up something you said earlier that Andre Drummond, I think there's a there's a difference between not being able to pass and just not doing and not, you know, using that ability. Andre Drummond, I feel like is a very underrated passer. He can move the ball. He actually had a couple passes today that impressed me. It's just a question of whether or not he will, because it seems like once he makes it up in his mind that he's going to post up and go for the basket, he's not going away from that no matter what you throw at him. If it's a double, if it's a triple team doesn't matter he's going for it right if he can get out of that mentality and make those passes that dude can be dangerous with the ball um because he, he's I, I, there was some advanced analytic but even just watching him play you can tell like he, he's not a, um he's not an inept passer he can he can move the ball a little bit but let's go ahead and move on that's the buyout market let's get into some of this tea y'all ready to sip some tea today let's get into it all right so let's go stroll on over to uh, Dallas, where J.J. Redick just got traded from New Orleans. And, you know, the second that man left that, that city, man, that dude's spilling all the tea, right? He doesn't trust in that organization. He feels like the front office are liars. Um, there was a whole thing where he, he requested a trade. He doesn't feel like he's getting the truth from David Griffin and his staff. Um, what, what, what are y'all's thoughts on this? Just, just the fact that J.J. Redick, you know. He has his platform. He's saying what he's saying. He's obviously entitled to say what he wants to say, but it's kind of surprising. I didn't think that this was the perception of the New Orleans Pelicans. So I think it's a couple things, at least, that I thought of when this news came out was that, one, 
everything I was talking about with the whole Kyle Lowry thing about how they should respect Kyle Lowry, you know, this is why, because I do think that, again, the players will communicate behind the scenes, you know, like beyond just the when people say the NBA is a business, you know, this is a business. But the truth is um, the the players have some sort of say in it, too, you know, and if they know that, um, let's say the Pelicans, may, maybe there is some truth to what JJ is saying, that they are kind of poorly run. You know, the players will know that, that they're not trustworthy. Maybe you shouldn't want to sign there or you don't want to go there as a destination. So, again, there's value in treating players not just as sort of property, but, you know, that there is some sort of humanity in there. But on the other end, it's, you know, 35-year-old J.J. Redick. You haven't played great this year. And the truth is, you know, it's like at a certain point, you have to be a certain level of player to get the sort of clout to be able to kind of determine, you know, have that sort of player empowerment, you know, and it's like JJ Reddick's an awesome dude, you know, but by all accounts, he has his podcast, you know, he, he does all that stuff. But, you know, it's like the team's not going to just buy you out, pay the rest of your salary if they can get a young talent um, and an asset from Dallas in return, you know, like that's a trade off New Orleans will take every time. And I don't think JJ is the type of player that moves the needle like that. However, I will say though, an interesting part is that JJ's Redick, uh, JJ Redick's agent is Aaron Mintz, and he was the same guy that represented D'Lo. And basically, ever since the Lakers kind of um, spurned D'Lo, he's kind of made it a thing where none of his players have signed with the Lakers ever since. So again, like there's a lot of politics going on here, but. Um, yeah, I, that that's my two cents at least. So, you know, I, I'm on the lighter side of your opinion. I understand, and that's the first thing I was going to bring up. I I understand, fully understand the value of respecting players' wishes because players talk. And JJ Redick, who who seems like a guy who, you know, when he gets to a team, he's that vet that a lot of people can go to. He'll show young players the ropes ropes what they should do he's been around the league you know he's been on different teams um so he knows the landscape and that's to me the the not the saddest part in this because it's not a sob story but it's like the most ironic part because he's not an idiot he knows better bro you are not james harden you are not ad you are not kd you're not you're not even Aaron Gordon at this point. And, you know, I was mad because Aaron Gordon was, was you know, I demand a trade, you know, trade me like we weren't going to trade you anyways. Shut up. Shut up, dog. So, <laughs> yo, and, 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 you know, what you know, happened to you, you know, to a certain, you know, to a certain point, I, I fully understand that you want to respect the player's wishes. You don't want players talking about your organization in a bad way. Him influencing young players not to go to your organization. But what Eddie said, you're not that type of dude. You're, there's only a certain, you know, level of player in this league that gets to determine, you know, just very clearly where they want to go. And you're not one of them. I'm not going to buy your salary out just so you could go, you know, make a super team, a super duper team, you know, make a team even better. So get out of that. Get out of here with that. You know better. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I got pretty frustrated when I heard, when I heard this. I feel like every episode Julio just goes on a rant where it's like, you're not LeBron James. You're not Stephen Curry. You're not James Hart. But you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to me. I think the biggest thing here, I don't think JJ Redick is necessarily upset at the fact that he's in Dallas. Um, 
I don't even think he's necessarily upset about how this specific situation went down. To me, it felt like more of a, a, a an indictment on how that organization has been run throughout the duration of his time there. That's where I was coming from. Because you're right, Julio. He is a professional. He has been around the block. This isn't the first time he's been getting traded, but this is the first time that he's coming out with this sort of stuff. So to me, it almost feels like... He just didn't like how the Pelicans front office conducted themselves from the jump since he since he got there. You know what I mean? I feel like that's where this is coming from more so than how this specific situation played out. Well, well, you say that this is the first time that Granted, he, he just like, he just got the podcast right. He, he hasn't had the podcast the entire time, but I don't know. Like, and it, the thing about it is, is, is that you're not as good of a player anymore. A and B. You sign one and two year deals for a reason to give yourself options. Why didn't you play for Brooklyn before? Don't you want to be with your family? Oh, wait, now they can win a championship. Now you want to go? It's not that I, I want to be with my family. Trade me to Brooklyn. Stop. Stop. You had a chance. You had a chance to go to Brooklyn. But you, you, you know, you signed this big deal with the Pelicans, and I don't blame. Go get that money, bro. Go get that money. But you had it. You had an option. Whatever you value more, go do that. You had options, and you had the chance to go to Brooklyn before. It's I mean, not, to be fair, I'm gonna cry my way to Brooklyn. To, now. to be fair, he did say like this was kind of a post-COVID reaction that you know if if he flew between New Orleans and Brooklyn or New Orleans and wh- wherever his family's from, that he would have to quarantine a week and do all of that. Like normally, he would be able to go back and forth more conveniently. But I mean, again, I think to your point, um, you know, like I. There is some sort of um, validity to like, you know, like m- maybe J.J. Redick at this point in his career, you know, like he's a respected veteran, like he should go um, where he, where he wants to go. And it's like if you're an organization, you're not really losing that much by doing all that. But at the same time, it it's like it's again, it's like just a little weird to me. It's like I don't ever want to be the person who like shills for an organization like you know, or chill for an organization to to run the the NBA like a business, like everyone says. But but I don't know. It's just like I don't I don't I'm not convinced by JJ Redick being angry and and distrustful of the New Orleans front office. You know, like I feel and, like and, and that, yeah. I don't know. I feel like that's almost like kind of a a, a super. Um, you know, it's like a very just. Um, it, it's just like kind of reactionary right now. I don't know if he even like really feels that way about him. And, and being a business doesn't always just mean, you know, doing what's in the best financial interest for that company, whatever uh, uh, team or whatever the case may be. It, it's also relationships. You mentioned a name, Kyle Lowry. We can make a huge distinction between Kyle Lowry, what he's meant to the Raptors and what J.J. Redick has meant to the New Orleans Hornets or the Pelicans, whatever. You knew so, they were the Hornets. Y- y- you know, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? He's not a franchise player. You didn't win a finals. You know, I, I know Kyle Lowry didn't win a finals MVP, but, you know, you didn't win them a championship. You didn't do all the things Kyle Lowry has done. And I'm, you know, I'm not even the biggest proponent for Kyle Lowry, but damn, bro. You, you've barely been here like two years. You act like they're going to be loyal to you. You smarter than that. You smarter than that. So I guess the larger idea that I was really hoping to get into here was if J.J. Redick uh, does this mentality that J.J. Redick seems to have about the Pelicans in that Anthony Davis evidently had about the Pelicans, right? Do we ultimately see that bleed into perhaps this young core that they've cultivated breaking up? 
is Zion going to be there for the long haul? Is B.I. going to be there for the long haul? Hell, we know that Lonzo is probably not going to be there for the long haul. They've done a good job reconstructing that team and, and, and getting some good pieces in there. But, you know, if you're not an organization that players want to be with and play for, ultimately then they're not going to do that. So I guess that's what I wanted to drive at. Is this a J.J. Redick issue or is this a Pelicans issue? And if it's a Pelicans issue, do we see this team ultimately uh, uh blow up down the line i mean i kind of do want to draw a distinction between the ad stuff and this stuff because it's two entirely separate front offices and by all accounts david Griffin Same owner, is true true but like you know by all accounts everyone says good stuff about david griffin like you know i mean he worked in the like he worked in nba media for a moment you know between his Cavs job and, and the pelicans shop so like again he has some sort of media ropes too so he's not in, you know he's not like totally um just like not aware of that sort of stuff so it's a little weird to me because i feel like there would be more smoke if if um jj reddick's not the only player that feels this way you know so and honestly i mean this is the last part it's like if jj reddick like if i'm jj reddick i don't know why i would be that mad going to dallas you know like that that's not a bad situation to go to you know, it's like it's still a winning situation. You'll play competitive basketball. I'm sure, you know, like he'll be integrated into the team and Dallas had a plan to use him and all that. So, again, I don't know. It's like him going on his own podcast and kind of you know, like those are pretty strong words saying that no one should ever trust New Orleans's front office. You know, that, that's like that. that That's I don't know, like that. Like you got to really feel pretty like you better be really convinced that you feel that strongly about the front office if you're going to say that stuff. Yeah, it's really strong words because like he sorry to cut you off, Julio, but it's like he's cultivated a relationship with those guys. Right. Like he's had Brandon Ingram on his podcast. He's had Zion on his podcast. He's had a on his podcast. I think he talks about Josh Hart. Like those are his boys. Those are the people like he's taken under his wing. And if he feels that way about the organization, are, are we to think that there's not some of those sentiments that exist in the young guys that he's been mentoring? And, and, you know, for him to leave, right, it almost feels like if, if those guys don't share those same sentiments, it's almost a shot in the foot to them to say, yeah, I'm going to leave it on my way out. I'm going to tell everyone else in the league, yeah, don't go play for those guys. Because those are people that he gave a fuck about, right? Those are people that he cared about mm-hmm. and wants to see succeed. So I don't know. It, it feels like it, it, where there's smoke, there's fire. And that feels like just the fact that J.J. Redick was willing to come out publicly and say this tells me that there has to be a little bit more uh, of that under the on the under the um. I guess the the rest of the Pelicans brass, but but I mean I feel like so it's it's the the problem is is uh, double ended in my opinion. So as much as I you know ranted on JJ Redick just now, um, I, I guess my overall point, and I hate to put it this simple, but and Reagan, I know you hate when I say this, <laughs> but. I mean, if you if y'all want to win, win. If y'all want to win, win. Y'all gotta get out of that practice facility that looks like a high school gym. You know, that's what I'm saying. This, this small market team, you're not gonna win a championship here. You're just not. You gotta go to L.A. You gotta go to whatever. You're just not gonna win a championship here. And if you call that, I don't want to say a failure, but a problem with the organization, then sure, the the organization has a problem too. Um, obviously, David Griffin hasn't been there a while. They're not going to attract any free agents, though. And they have good pieces, but Brandon Ingram and, and Zion isn't enough. Um, 
So I, I don't know. I, I view I view this issue with that issue kind of very very separately um, because I do have a problem with JJ Reddick, you know, saying all these things. Obviously, I'm not in those conversations, but um, on the Pelican side too, I just don't feel like you know you, you're not going to win Zion. You're not going to win a championship there. So yeah, it's funny because. Maybe he will say, have to bounce. I was going to say, like, if Zion or whoever leaves, it's not going to be because the front office was petty. It's just because they were chasing greener pastures, you know, in, in seven years when their rookie contract is running out. I mean, perhaps, right? But, you know, should, you know, I, we, we won't keep beating the same. What's my old saying? The same dead cow. Cow. <laughs> it's horse. Cow. <laughs> but um, it'll be interesting. <laughs> we'll see how that thing plays out. But in other drama around the NBA, right, because this is the TMZ podcast of the NBA now, uh, you had this beef arise between Russell Westbrook and Stephen A. Smith. Russell Westbrook, his wife, and Stephen A. Smith, um, in which Stephen A. had some comments on First Take, and I can't speak to exactly what the comments were because no one here watches First Take um, because we're real basketball fans. Oh, did I say that out loud? Um, but, (laughs) But, no, Stephen A. goes on First Take, and he says something to the effect of Russell Westbrook's a great uh, player. He's one of the best, you know, at most athletic point guards of all time. He's won this MVP. He's one of the most accomplished players of all time. But he still has first ballot this, Hall of Famer. First ballot Hall of Famer. But he still has not won this chip. And you know, at at the end of the day, I still got to hold you to that. Um, and Russell Westbrook retorts, and his wife retorts. I don't remember exactly what his wife said, but Russell Westbrook says something to the effect of, uh, "Yo." You know, I can't let this negativity in. I was a champion the second I stepped foot in the NBA. I, I came from not a whole lot. And, and the fact that I made it here to this point, you know, a championship, you know, it's not the end all be all for me. I've accomplished what I need to accomplish. I don't need to prove anything else to anyone. Um, so not we, we, we're not going to get into the, the he said, she said and try to pick sides between Russell Westbrook and Stephen A here. But what I do want to talk about is this larger idea of what does a championship really mean? to an NBA player. And obviously, it's not going to be a monolith for every single player in the NBA. It's going to be different for everyone. A championship to LeBron James is a lot different to uh, a championship to Russell Westbrook. is different to a championship to Chris Paul, Donovan Mitchell. It's different for everybody. But it's an interesting conversation to have because we talk about these ideas of ring chasing and super teams. And you have guys like Bradley Beal, who seems to be okay with sticking around in Washington and Damian Lillard, who seems to be okay with sticking around in Portland. And it's clear that to some people, a ring is not the end all be all. So I want to have a conversation about that. So I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it open-ended. What are your thoughts on on just that idea in general? I guess I, I want to start with that. I don't like, rings culture and and by that i don't like when people judge the value of players simply by how many rings did you win or you know did you win a chip or did you not because you know there there's so many different contextual factors that go into it there's so many different you know things that can affect you know like who wins a championship and who doesn't and that's the part where it's not just Stephen A saying it here but like a lot of analysts will be like yeah the player is good but did they win a championship it's like, I mean, a player can still be great. A player can still be, like you said, Julio, first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, you know, one of the greats, like super influential, whatever. They can be all of that without winning a ring. But at the same time, you know, it's like there has to be some sort of value to winning, I think. So it might not be that you have to win a, a championship. It's not that you have to hoist a trophy at the end. But if you're a player and you and I don't like using this term too much, but it's like if you just kind of go around collecting empty stats, 
it's like you can't parade yourself like a great player if you're not affecting winning. You know, so I feel like at the end of the day, I think most players in the NBA want to win. You know, I would just assume that they've gotten all the way to the highest level of the game because they have that sort of competitiveness in them. So I'm just assuming that most players are tailoring their game to to, to influence winning, right? And if you are really good at influencing winning, then you're probably a very good player. And if you're not, then, you know, you're, you're just not that good of a player. And I mean, honestly, that that's kind of the extent of how I feel about like how much should a championship <clears throat> matter. I just think like winning should matter to players, but I don't think that the the sort of joy of winning a ring. Some some players, like Chris Paul said, at this point of his career, he he doesn't really feel that much kind of need for that sort of joy, and that's yeah. completely fine. You know, like people will make their max contract money and and you know get that generational wealth, and and that's I think I mean that's a completely fine goal, and those things are going to last more uh uh you know those things are going to have more utility than than having the championship ring in, in your jewelry case right so it's just to me i don't i don't ever want like these conversations or i don't ever want players to feel like because they won a lot of rings that you know Shaq does this a lot when he talks with charles barkley it's like oh i, I won five <laughs> rings it's like you know like i don't i don't i don't want any of that but at the same time i don't want players who will get you know like 40 point triple doubles because you know they, they pad their stats a lot and feel that felt like, very you know, targeted. They, I just want to say that it felt very targeted. <laughs> well, I mean, we have to be honest. It's like Russell Westbrook wants, a, uh, you know, like like he he wants to be seen as like you know a great right, like a great elite. And it's the truth is at this point in his career, you know, like he he's not that quite a he, he's not quite that kind of player. But at the same, I'm not taking anything away from what he said because he's completely right. You know, if he feels like he's a champion because he made it out from the community he was from and he got his generational wealth and, you know, he's providing for his family and he got his money like that's he's completely right. Like, it's not even something that I can make a value judgment about. Like, there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with what he said. So, OK. And I, I think I think I'm right along the same you know lines as Eddie. I think I, you know, mostly agree with you. So the the conversation that I want to connect back to Stephen A and and Russ is that, bro, I I think he, they or especially Russ, they need to understand that these are conversations, these these uh, debates, these you know arguments are occurring within an NBA kind of bubble. You know, you're not operating he he wasn't criticizing Russell Westbrook's life <laughs> you know we're not doing that we're operating within an NBA bubble i can call somebody trash i can say all these things about Andre Drummond Andre Drummond is one of the 100 best players in the in the effing world you know that makes you elite that alone makes you a hall of famer in my book so when I call you, tra- I don't mean trash in the sense of, you know, <laughs> Julio the, Martinez just said of- Andre Drummond's a Hall of Famer. Hold on. That's the take of the no, year. No, no, no. Oh, yo. Y- you, know, you know what I'm saying? Yo. You know what I'm saying? So we're, oper- we're operating. We're operating within an NBA bubble. That's the first thing. Secondly, when it comes to rings, you obviously have to contextualize. The, the, the saying is obviously Robert Ori is not better than AI. Or James Harden, or you know any of these guys who hasn't won a championship, or who have less championships than him. Number three, I will never believe a player that says, you know, I could care less. 
deep down, there will always be, and these feelings can vary amongst players, there will always be at least a little feeling that you wish you would have gotten that. There, there, you just cannot change my mind on that. There's, there's no way that Chris Paul, Dame Lillard, if he if he never wins a championship, or or Bradley Beal if he stays in dirty Washington, you know, I I I, I <laughs> you know, I don't care about winning a ring. It's not important to me. Uh, I'm glad. Or Charles Barkley says, I'm glad. You know, I never won a ring, and, and you know, I wouldn't change anything in my career. That's just false to me. Um, but obviously, it matters to more people. Uh, uh, matters uh, to some people more, just like Eddie said. And some guys are content with where they are. Um, but again, these conversations, like winning has to matter. You know, this is, this is a competitive sport. Again, sport. We're not talking about life. We're not talking about, you know, any other fact. Russell Westbrook is amazing in the community. We're not talking about any of that stuff. We're talking purely basketball sense. Competitiveness brings out debates. It sparks conversation and conversations amongst fans. It makes fans want to boo other players. And, and you know, it, it has to mean something. So w- when you see T-Mac never capture a ring and, and, you know, Kobe has five or, you know, Jordan has six, these are, you know, factors that are important to differentiating players. And the, it, this is important to the NBA because the more you can stimulate fans to be excited about your league, you know, the, the, the bigger the league you're going to have. So, I, I, you know, I, I just want these conversations, again, to happen within the NBA bubble. We're not talking about, you know, life success or failures outside of the NBA. These guys are all special in their own right. So, um, again, these conversations in the NBA bubble only. I think that was a good point. And, and, and to, to possibly Russell Westbrook's point, maybe the, the larger idea that he's driving at is like, I could give a shit about all that. You know what I mean? And to be fair, and you made it to fun. the NBA, you really don't have to give a shit about, you know, first take debates or hoop and holler debates or whatever podcasts or show you decide to listen to. Um, that one with Skip Bayless that's getting worse and worse by the day, yo. It's getting bad. It's getting real ugly up there. But ultimately, I I feel like there's a very rare, it's a rare player, especially in today's A and age, in the LeBron era, that has to worry about their, if we're talking about this NBA bubble, Julio, that NBA bubble legacy. You know what I mean? That's such a rare player whose legacy is going to hinge on whether or not they won the chip. You know what I mean? We think LeBron James, who's obviously chasing Jordan, right? Whether or not he'll ever get there, that remains to be seen. I think there's a certain cultural cachet that he'll never access, but that's besides the point. But LeBron James, Kevin Durant, perhaps Stephen Curry, I think you can throw in there. Outside of those three guys, I'm not sure there's another player in the NBA whose legacy is going to hinge on whether or not they won a championship. Chris Paul... If you know anything about basketball, easily top five point guard, arguably top three um, all time, You're right? The, the, regardless of whether or not he wins a championship. Uh, Damian Lillard. But the thing is. What's up? I was going to say, but the thing is, I don't think we think of them as like a better or worse player, but something definitely changes about it, you know, because, for example, when Toronto wins the championship, like, do you think we think of Kyle Lowry differently because he won that championship? Um, 
uh, versus whether you know they didn't. I I think there's a big difference there. So again, it's different for a lot of players. Like Chris Paul, I think that if I, he's a, I think it's I think it's let's say let's say if he leads Phoenix to the championship this year as like the second best player. Oh like, my hell yeah, god! Like, hell yeah, we're we're gonna remember oh my him god. a lot differently. You but know? That, that's that's <laughs> like, kind of the point that I'm driving at is like with Kyle Lowry, right? He won his championship in in a very organic fashion. Obviously, they traded Demar Derozan to get uh, Kawhi Leonard, but like he came up with that organization, right? Uh, if Chris Paul were to do it with the Phoenix, my point is, play most players in the NBA outside of a very rare two or three, maybe four people don't have to shift their entire career arc and change basically the entire formation of their life around winning a chip, right? LeBron James, wherever he goes, the chip is like, the the access to a chip is going to follow. Kevin Durant, you could argue wherever he goes, the access to a chip is going to follow. Rare is the player who's going to be willing to say, let me, you know, usurp my family, let me usurp, you know, where I'm comfortable just to go chase this chip. Because I don't think it matters that much to most NBA players. Why did KD move? I don't want to live in Brooklyn. Why does KD keep moving? KD did kind cared, of, you know, he listened. Because, and, and, he listened. Arcs. And at this, I guess at this point in his career is more the point that I'm making. But at that point in his career, right, he knew what he was chasing because at that point it was it was more about chasing like the legacy, but it was chasing LeBron, right? He was chasing that number one player in the NBA badge, and that was the KD that gave a lot of fucks, right? That was a KD but, that was, you know, very hurt at a lot of things that people would assert about him and his inability to win a championship. But point that I'm driving at is most players simply, I don't think, care that deeply about a championship to where they're going to navigate their entire career around, let me chase this one end goal. I don't think it matters AD, that much to most dudes. AD, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, James Harden. Right, AD James came Harden. to LA. Kyrie. The championship was cool, but there was a lot more in it for AD than a championship. Let's be real about that. He Ky- could have gone to Miami. Kyrie's here for the vibes. <laughs> like we can throw him out of the equation. Kyrie's here for the vibes. But like AD, James I, Harden. James. Why did James Harden ask for Brooklyn? He could have gone to Atlanta and had fun in the strip clubs. I will say James Harden might be in that echelon of player that who, whose career he feels like his career might be hinged, contingent on whether or not he can win a championship or not. Because Paul talking, George? No. I don't think Paul George cares about it that much. No, I don't. Why did he leave oh, why did he leave his dearest uh oh hey I can go fishing on the weekends he can go, OKC? Like, the, the, when we really think about it like are these players when they, even when they go create these super teams it's not just for a championship they're also looking for for favorable situations. Paul George wasn't just like let me go on the team that has the highest highest likelihood of me winning a championship, but it was also the dudes from Southern California. He gets to have a little bit of a homecoming. He gets to be with his boy Kawhi Leonard. He gets to be in the LA area a lot more endorsement opportunities there's a lot more in it than just a championship my point being i don't think that the championship is enough for people to throw everything else to the wayside and say i need to go get that i don't think it's enough for if there's you know 15 times 30 what's that for all the nba players in the world i think there's maybe four that would be willing to do that i yeah i, I mean that, i that speaks I think I, I mean, I would agree, but at the same time, you know, it, it's so tough because I feel like in this day and age, very little championships are won organically. You know, I think, like, I think of Toronto and then I think of, you know, like San Antonio, 
Dallas. And that's like the, the Warriors and the Cavs, the first year they won. And the Warriors. Like, I mean, it's hard for me to say the Cavs won it organically. You know, it's like they created a super team, I guess. But it's like, it, it felt like it, you know. But everything else, um, you know, like it, it definitely feels a little manufactured. And I think it takes away from the, the shine of it. And some people are like, well, a ring is a ring, you know, like winning is winning. But if we're being honest, like we know... As fans, you know, like we can tell when things are authentic and, and, and when things really feel real compared to when they're manufactured, you know. Yeah. So it's like for, like when you see like Toronto fans just overflowing in the streets after they won the championship, like, you know, that's authentic versus when, you know, the Warriors get that second chip with KD oh. in them. It's like there, there's something a little different there, you know. So I think there's something said, something to be said about that. Like not not all winning is equal. It's it's it, it for sure is uh, in my opinion at least double ended again. So I do. So players themselves, you know, amongst the NBA community, especially those guys who are elite, I feel like they know themselves the best. And you know who's really elite, who's maybe propped up to be elite by the media, who's really not better than this other guy who may have not won a championship per se. But to also say that they don't pay it, and I know you guys didn't say this directly, but, you know, a lot of players like to say, you know, oh, I have, you know, this is what, this is exactly what Blake Griffin said in a recent press conference, uh, Zoom meeting, whatever. He said, you know, I I have a group of guys around me that, you know, they, they keep me in tune and I got my circle that's small and I don't really pay attention to the opinions of, you know, all these people that say I was trash. Then... Why'd you go to Brooklyn, bro? Why'd you go to Brooklyn then? We know KD and Kyrie went to Brooklyn for the There's not a... Wait, 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 wait. Are you telling me that there aren't better cities in Brooklyn? Mm, That had availability to, like, for KD to come in and kind of take over as the lead dude? No, no, I'm saying Blake. Blake. Oh, Blake. Blake. Oh, excuse me. I must have gotten messed up. Oh, Blake. I mean... Blake could have... I mean, I know, I know... I feel like I know what you're saying. You know, so my, like, my point, my point, it, my point is that they pay attention to the media. If if you don't care, then you know, don't act. Or I'm just saying. Oh, there's certain players who care. You a can lot tell of guys by the care. way You can tell by the way you know certain comments that people make. I think it was the comment that Blake Griffin made that was like, uh, "Well, all I heard for the past two years is how trash I was." That's what like, I'm you saying. You can tell, like, yeah, that get that got to you a little bit. You're you can hurt. Tell it gets to you're KD hurt. or KD a little bit at times, or maybe not so much anymore, but it definitely got to KD at certain points. Um, you could tell it used to get to Kyrie, and he got he got so set over this where he gives no fucks anymore. But yeah, d- dudes care, of course, dudes care. Um, yeah, no doubt. And again, like that—that's a lot of what kind of like not just basketball, but all sports do, right? Like it creates these sort of debates, not only on these TV shows, but you know, in like you know, people talk about like barbershop debates, and and you know, people people debate this in their friend groups. It's like it's kind of just naturally a part of every sport right so for a player to be like i don't care about the opinions of like for them to say that i don't listen to the noise not only says that i don't care about what Stephen a has to say but it kind of it kind of gives off the idea that they don't care that fans have a certain perception of them and and i don't know if that's good you know because at the end of the day you you want fans to be interested in you and sometimes that's going to come out as admiration Mm. But the things like you, you have to have that sort of engagement and, and to say, like, I don't care about what the fans think. I'm just here to, you know, like get my 25 points. You know, it's like, but that's not how sports works. And I think 
everyone you know grew up and and you know if they're in the NBA they definitely grew up loving NBA players that they they grew up with and and you know they love talking basketball and all that stuff so it's it's definitely like I don't believe players when they say I don't listen to the noise I don't care about the commentary because somewhere like everyone cares you know like that that's such a big part of sports yeah mm, I don't I don't mm. cuz the thing is like when we talk about I mean, like your ability right I feel like dudes could really I don't know I don't know I if it were me and I was in the league I would want to get to a point where that sort of noise did not affect my day-to-day because there's just so much of it that it could really be a hindrance to you right if you did let that infiltrate your sort of bubble like if you let every dude on twitter calling you a bum if you were scroll through all that reading all that like that that really takes a toll on you we saw with paul george talking about it when he was in the bubble right like you cannot let that infiltrate your zone because once it does, that's difficult to get out and it's most definitely going to affect your play. So I would venture to say that but the you, amount you, of fucks people have to give about what like the fans think is probably less than more. I, I, I would hope so, at least, because if you're a player and you're giving that much well, of a hell about like what fans say, then you're, you might not be in a good spot. But you can't you can't deny that it is bad. It's not that it's horrible for the league, but it's not a good look on the league if your players do say that. Yeah, you know, play, play, players have to play. I mean, players always say this is a business. This is a business. How do you get paid by people watching? That's where I, that's where I feel like the line is drawn. Like you should, I would care, right? If I'm if I'm a um if I'm an NBA player, what I care about ultimately is my personal brand right i don't want people thinking i'm an asshole i don't want people thinking i'm disrespectful i don't want people thinking that uh you know if if you walk up to me on the street asking me for an autograph i'm gonna you know flip you off and go about my business those are the sorts of things that i would want to make sure that like people are cool with me on but in terms of like whether you think i'm a top 10 shooting guard of all time or you know a top 10 defender all time like those are the sorts of things that I can't let that get in my way. Because at the end of the day, like, you got to block all that as an athlete. You got to damn near block out what you're – I mean, you could probably attest to this. You damn near got to block out what your coach thinks of you sometimes so you can go out there and ball. Like, you you got to be able to block out all of that noise so you can be in your zone. Because that noise well, is really you, a hindrance, man. Yes and no. The greatest basketball player of all time seems to care a lot about what people say. Who's that? Michael Jordan, bro, stood up at his Hall of Fame speech and talked, you know, trashed everybody who ever disrespected him. Oh, because that's him. that's I mean that that's a different because you know Michael Jordan would literally okay. There's two different types of dudes, and it's almost the Kobe Michael conundrum because there's certain people who can take what people say and let that fuel them. There's certain people like Kobe who I don't think Kobe ever really cared. I honestly don't. And then there's certain people who will listen to what people say and allow that to eat at them, like perhaps a Paul George, like perhaps a Kevin Durant. And right, we can only theorize. We don't know what actually phases these dudes. It drives KD, though. It drives KD. I don't think that's what drives KD. It bothers bothers him, but he he hoops when people talk crap about him. And and the thing with KD is like he... Like, it's not even he will click on his name if it's trending on Twitter. He will search up 
like this is not just me <laughs> this is like written in a book like he was so mad at warriors fans after a while because he would just go on his twitter timeline and like basically hate read like the way people would talk about him on twitter and let that fuel like what people think about him it didn't make him any worse of a player obviously but again like it's kevin durant like we know like his his social media antics sometimes but it, i think I it's a part of players you know I don't know if that phased him so much as like how, like, you know what, Michael Jordan would see, oh, you don't want to talk to me at dinner? Bet, I'm gonna bust your ass tomorrow. You know what I mean? I don't think KD was thinking, you know, oh, y'all don't, y'all think I'm, you th- y'all think I'm trash? I'm gonna bust your team's ass. Like, KD was busting your team's ass regardless, but the fact but that he was he busting your team's ass and you were still disrespecting on him, that bothered him. I think that's but what he, bothered him. It didn't affect he, yeah, how he, he was gonna play. He based life decisions based on how people, how fans yes, were did. talking. Yes, you know, he, he said, he said, you know, Warriors fans like Steph Curry more than me. You know, like, why don't, why don't I get that sort of treatment? And, and he took that from, you know, some, some, you know, random ha- Twitter handles, you know, on the app, you know, scrolling through the app. And he took that to say, I'm not <laughs> going to be respected here and I'm going to go to Brooklyn. And I'm not trying to like say like Katie's like this or that. It's just that it, it happens, you know, like players definitely like whether they they like it or not it's like they're famous people they're gonna get exposure you know it's not just Stephen a talking stuff about you like people are gonna say stuff and somewhere or another you're gonna hear it and obviously some people have a better willpower to be able to process it in a way that's you know better for them but some people are gonna just have it get to them like you know some people it's definitely it's definitely something that everyone considers so I'm, i'm pretty convinced of it at least I want to ask this because I, I feel like a lot of this has to do, especially when we talk about like championships, it has to do with the fact that we're in the LeBron era um, in which, you know, that's kind of when you have the best player clearly shifting his career around how many championships can I win? The next move, you, I'm not going to go anywhere unless I'm in contention for a championship. I'm going to build teams around me um, to ensure that I'm in contention for a championship. In this post-LeBron era that we don't know when that's coming, that dude might play till he's fucking 50, who knows? But whenever the post-LeBron era comes, do we think that a championship matters as much? Because prior to LeBron era, I'm not sure folks were really, like, discounting people out. Like, oh, you never won a chip? You can't be top three all time. You can't be top ten all time. Uh, did, that, did that not propel Dirk Nowitzki's career to a different stratosphere? It did. But that was still, like post like LeBron you know what I mean like that was like literally the year that LeBron went to um form that super team in Miami point being like I like a guy like Tracy McGrady a guy like Allen Iverson a guy like who else Charles Barkley like we people still revered these uh, John Stockton Carl Malone people were still revering players who never won a championship right because people watched and saw that dude is damn good regardless of whether or not he won the chip but there's been so much of a on a, of an emphasis placed on winning a championship in this era that you know regardless of how good you were and even now people are taking that to like look back at the past and say well AI never won a championship so how much how great of a shooting guard all time could he possibly be like people are applying this logic that we've seen kind of come to the service in the past couple of years of the emphasis of a championship and applying that to their assessment of all basketball players of all time. Do we think that holds up after LeBron's gone is my question. I, I, I think it for like on, in the grand scheme because, because I, I think it gets stronger. I don't think it fades away. I think that that feeling or that kind of sentiment gets stronger because if the number one dude is no longer there, 
Who's going to rise up to be number one? What happened when Michael Jordan didn't play the that first when he retired? Uh, the the first Elijah yeah won. yeah the his, first retirement Elijah won one yeah. and yeah and what do we do with Hakeem? To me, Hakeem, shoot, I, I know I I love naming wings. You know my all wing list. It seems like as top five all time. But bro, to me, Hakeem might might, might be up there. Like I love Hakeem so much. He to me, he's the best center of all time. But that's beside the point. But is he the but, best time of all you know, time once, because of that chip? Or is it because of how damn skilled he was? Because I, I feel like, honestly, I mean, like, it hel- kind of helps. It kind of helps. I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, imagine I, I a mean, world I'm with Julio that I hope. I hope. I'm going to say I'm with Julio that I hope it gets stronger because in this LeBron slash create super teams era... I feel like the value of championship winning is kind of diminished, you know, because it's like it's, it's all manufactured. And assuming that, you know, Luka Doncic and uh, Giannis aren't going to, you know, form their own super team with um, with, a, a, I don't know, Trey Young, you know, in 2030 or something. It's like if 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 winning is more organic and, you know, like team building is more organic, then, yeah, I think we're going to place a lot more value into it because it's going to feel I, I suppo- like ex-star player and ex-players had to work so much harder and go through that natural process yeah. of overcoming to win a championship that that's the better question that's really what i meant not win championship winning but championship chasing is that is as much of an emphasis going to be placed on that post lebron area do you, do you think we still see the player movement that we see or will there be more guys like damian lewitt and bradley beal that are willing to ride it out with the team that they're drafted with so we'll long see the organization does right that, that's We'll see that that's something that Eddie mentioned in the chat. And, and that's something that's my that's always been my strong preference. I want to see Kobe and only Co- and like Kobe as the only superstar on the Lakers versus LeBron and the only superstar on the Cavs. And, you know, all, the all these other superstars as the only superstars on their team, you know, surrounded by all these other dudes, because then I feel like you can give better evaluations as players and, and their, you know, effect on winning as opposed to just players stacking the deck like in Brooklyn. And the, but I, at the same time, you know, I don't criticize them because they want to win a championship so much. Um, so, you, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But I hope, I really hope it moves more towards that direction because if it's Dame by himself, Giannis by himself, uh, James Harden by himself, KD by himself, all these dudes by themselves, then I feel like, oh, you can really tell who's the best player now. I feel like that's where we're headed. Yeah, and I think I do. And I think it, it depends on who, if anyone, takes the LeBron mantle of like clearly the head honcho of the NBA, it like dictates almost everything as the player, right? And um it depends on how that player operates. Because I think a lot of it is LeBron after the, the Boston Celtics big three decided I'm just gonna spend my career building super teams basically, you know, building juggernauts. And he's also happens to be the best player and the most influential player in the league. If whoever the best player is um, comes about, you know, in, in the, you know, post LeBron era and says, I'm going to build super teams. And I think you're going to see a reaction to that as well. But if, you know, let's say the, the player following LeBron is Giannis or something and he stays in Milwaukee his mm. whole career, then, yeah, you're probably going to see mm. you're going to see players want to be more, I guess, authentic with with, you know, how the mm. team building. Whoever captures that first ring, mm, yeah, that's what's going to affect it the most. That's that's a real question to pose. Maybe that's the question we go ahead and get up out of here with is who do we think takes that mantle? Because 
First of all, if you, they're all by themselves, you got you to think about uh, when I say Mantle, I mean as the best player in the NBA. And you got to think oh. about, too, how long do we envision LeBron playing for and who's coming up behind him? Because I feel like LeBron got at least till 40 in him and he's only 36 right now. And, you know, if you if we say four or five years down the line, who's the best player in the NBA? What do we think that is? Just well, do you mean best player? Or do you mean face? Exactly. It's not always the same. Because to me, like, Giannis can never quite be the face of the NBA because... Steph, is, Steph can be the face. Steph will be but he'll old. Be and Steph NBA. was the face. Steph was the face for he, a little bit. But, but he'll also be 37, so... And it's hard to imagine Luka because, you know, it's the NBA, international, white face. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm just saying, it's, it's going to be hard to imagine him as the yeah, face yeah, of the There's going to have to be, like, a, a showtime element Z- to it. Zion can maybe, but I don't nah, feel like he has that attitude. I don't. He has that attitude. Of, of, Zion will never yeah. be the face of the NBA because the NBA pushed Zion down folks' throats, and then they realized folks were starting to get bored with Zion because Zion's game throughout a forty-eight-minute game is really mm-hmm. not that like captivating. He has captivating highlights, but like throughout forty-eight minutes, Zion's not like, oh my god, I can't take my eyes off of this guy, um, which is fine because he's still damn near. He's hooping right now. He's going crazy, but. That's a um, that's an interesting question. Like, who has the showtime ability? Who has the box seat? Who has the talent? And who's in like the situation that would put them on a pedestal to potentially be the face of the NBA after LeBron? It's hard to see any candidate, and it might be a good thing if there isn't, like, one unanimous face of the NBA. Ja, just, ja, just for the That's a good standpoint. and bad thing. That's I would a good say and bad for thing. the NBA, though, the NBA would want that sort of It's player. a bad thing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But it's also that, good for competitiveness, I think. You know they'd start forcing somebody on you, too. Like, they tried Luka, to do Luka. Luka. I, I think Luka's the most uh, or is the safest option, maybe. Luca's just he didn't, he ain't got that edge about him. You know what I mean? Like when, when's the last time we saw a face of the NBA that wasn't like, yo, don't don't mess with him, bro. You know what I mean? Like Kobe was like, don't mess with Kobe, don't mess with Jordan, do not mess with uh, LeBron James. You know what I mean? Larry Bird. <laughs> Larry Bird was never the face of nothing, man. And plus, I mean, Larry Bird. Yes, was, he was Larry Bird in the '80s. Larry Bird wasn't to be messed with either. Like Larry Bird, you could not mess with Larry Bird. But like that's to, what I'm saying. To me, Magic was always Bird. the face over Larry Bird. Well, him and Magic. I will say, you know, if 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 we count Steph as like maybe he was like the face for one year when everyone loved him, you know, like he was accessible. Yeah, and that's kind of part of his appeal, right? So, I don't know. Maybe Steph is the kind of um, face of the the new. I guess face, you know, or I don't want to say face the new face, but basically the, the kind of archetype of the new face of the NBA the, the, the league wants to build around, you know, like maybe you want a nice guy that, you know, sells shoes to the suburban kids and, and, and the international crowd. Oh, you know? oh, <laughs> boo that, boo that. We, we're here for the culture, man. Give me a give me a face like AI, you know what I mean? But I think something that you just brought up, Julio, like the, the rivalry between Magic and LeBron or god magic and larry bird you know perhaps you don't build around faces and you build around rivalries between dudes because that's when it's best like you mentioned right as soon as you but you take lebron no one hates each other right now because the it's clear who's in contention for the chips right as soon as you take that out of the equation it's like yo this is anyone's to have right now 
perhaps there's a little bit more animosity that gets you know if, into the equation. You you know that the NBA like just wished so hard that Kobe and LeBron could have faced each other oh, like yeah. three four times in the NBA Finals. Like yeah, I mean. And you guys said people don't hate each other. Uh, we know that CP3 hates James Harden. He stole the ball from him like three times in the All-Star game for no reason. For no reason. I, mean, <laughs> I, I hope some of that pettiness re- I hope some of that pettiness returns, though. But it's like, especially when you think about, like, because CP3 is kind of the old guard. But you think about the young guard. I think about the the, the Donovan Mitchell. Trey. Like a jazz team, right, that that could potentially, if they stick things, if they keep doing what they're doing, could be, you know, one of the teams in contention after LeBron is up out of there. You think about uh, who's another dude that kind of has an edge about him. Trey. D-Book. D-Book, D-Book is another. Oh, Jason Tatum. Yeah. Like, those are dudes that are all going to be butting heads for the same trophy. But it's also the NBA pushes big markets, too, though. You got to remember. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Chicago, L.A., Boston. So it's never going to be a guy like Donovan Mitchell. It's going to be interesting. Man. Unless interesting. he LeBron, leaves LeBron, LeBron, LeBron said it very clearly in the All-Star draft. And part of it was jokes. Part of it was, was fact. Ain't nobody grow up idolizing no Utah Jazz, dude. <laughs> so no Indiana Pacer, you know, no, I, I don't know. OKC, uh, okay. Yes, OKC Thunder, maybe with Russ and KD because they're relatively new. But, you, you know, none of these Charlotte uh, Stingrays. We ain't even mentioned LaMelo, man. LaMelo could be a face. He could be a He's face. Not maybe not the face, but he could be a face because that's box. I will say right from... There. From what we hear about, you know, Imani Bates and whatever, like maybe it, it's, he's, he's not in the NBA yet, you know, like he's maybe that face is not in the NBA yet. He's a killer. <laughs> All right, but I, I think that might do it for this episode. I do want to mention one more thing. Vanessa Bryant got into our school. That's kind of cool. Although I think she's Vanessa Bryant did not get it. Vanessa Bryant did not get into our school. Oh, Natalia, Natalia. Oh, I'm tripping. My bad. My bad. Yeah. I got the daughters mixed up, but. You know, shout out to her. Congrats not, to her. Not the daughter. No. Man. Not the no. daughter. You got the mom and the daughter mixed up, dog. I, okay. I'm not into the... See, and this is going on the pod. I'm going to put it on the pod. I'm going to put it on the pod. Because let me tell you, that's what I was going to say. Is It was like kind of weird to me how many... like it, Congratulations to her. But it was a whole lot of folks that have no like clue don't have no connection to this girl whatsoever like welcoming her to the school i don't know celebrity culture is just weird to me man like i feel bad for the girl because she gonna come here and folks gonna be like up on her treating her like this that and the other and she just want to come here and be a student man so i i I feel like i feel like more i feel like you know after the death of kobe i feel like more people are gonna be sensitive about that Oh, yeah, no doubt. I, I still think it's going to happen, but more people are going to be sensitive I about it. I, I, I sure hope so, but like when I'm just scrolling through my Instagram feed and it's like, welcome to the school, or, uh, Natalia, welcome to the school, welcome to the school. Like, yeah. Y'all know her? Y'all know her? Like, hey, yeah, y'all, y'all cool <laughs> with her? Y'all, y'all like, yeah, bro, let, let, let her live, bro. I hope I, I hope to God she could just come to school and live her life like a normal person, bro. I would hope so. But that'll do it for this episode. Um, a lot of this might be my favorite episode in a while man we got into like not really the nuts and bolts but more some larger broad topics around the nba that's always fun to do 
Thank you guys all so much for tuning in. As always, go check out the Twitter, the Instagram, at Pod, all that good stuff. We're going to be coming at you with all the great content and whatnot. You know what we do around here at Hoop and Holler. So with that said, we will see y'all next This has been the Hoop and Holler Podcast.